Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, and unto his sons, and to all the children of Israel, and say unto them, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, saying, What man soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox, or a lamb, or a goat in the camp, or that killeth it out of the camp, and bringeth it not to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord. Blood shall be imputed unto that man. He hath shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among the people. Amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Diving directly into the word. Amen. Um, I don't have my paper today. Um, so I hope that this word is exactly what you need. Just asking and praying that the Holy Ghost would um speak. Um, I'm full. I thank God for the prayer. I thank God for my beloved wife. And like I say to each, each one of you, amen. I don't think y'all seen this one. Y'all seen the other one. Amen. This one goes back a little bit further. Amen. This one goes a, a back a little bit further. Um, God has given me the title on the day. I know it was the blood. Amen. I know it was the blood. 2006. So I want you to think where you was at in 2006. Amen. Middle school. High school. High school graduation, 2006. I was 26 years old. In 2006, I was 26 years old. Um, and so I know you maybe you don't understand what I read in Leviticus chapter 17, but in Leviticus chapter 17, um, the Lord spoke to Moses and he told Moses to tell Aaron and the people that Whenever they offered a sacrifice, it had to be at the tabernacle. They could not offer sacrifices outside of the tabernacle. Whatever they had for the Lord had to be brought to God to be offered in this specific place. And the remainder of that chapter also goes on to just talk about blood um, and, and what happens with the blood when they make this sacrifice. So if you have not gotten anything else from me preaching through the book, the book of Leviticus, and I, I intend on finishing, we almost there, I think it's 24 chapters, but if you have not gotten anything else from me preaching through this book, you should know that the book is about worship. It, it's, it's trying to teach you how to pour out for God, how to give to God, how God is the person, how Jesus is the person that's stepping in all them situations when you don't know what to do or you you just out of order, God is just stepping in there and he's trying to bring you to a place of worship. And as I read this chapter, God took me back to something that I wrote in 2006. And I know it was the Holy Ghost because that's how my brain worked. Like I'm reading this and then my brain says, I remember when I wrote such and such and such and it was almost 20 years ago. Um... So as I was reading about this blood in chapter 17, God took me back to 2006. And what he told me in 2006, I didn't, I didn't understand it like I do now. 
And that's where the title comes from. I know it was the blood. I know it's Jesus. I know it's the Holy Ghost that got me standing here. I know it's Jesus that still got me on my feet. I know it's Jesus that still has me doing what I'm doing. Still walking the walk, still running the race, still praying, like still striving. I know it was the blood, not anything that I have done because I'm not that good. But when God starts to bring stuff to your remembrance from years ago, specific things to your memory, not only does I know that it's him that was that's keeping me now, I realize that it was him speaking and keeping me then. Because the same word he was speaking in 2006 is applying and coming alive in my life now. But the thing that he told me to do in 2006 that I didn't understand, he told me to worship at one altar only. He said, worship at one altar only. And that's some of our problems. We worshiping at more than one altar. God said, you can't make sacrifices outside of the temple. You can't make sacrifices outside. We, 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 we making sacrifices at all these different altars. We making sacrifices for our spouses. We making sacrifices for our children. We making sacrifices for our God. For, for our job, but God is like, but what are you doing for me? What are you doing for me? The only place where the sacrifice is going to matter is what you do unto me. And he's telling me this when I'm 26 years old. So I need y'all to understand, I'm going to read to y'all three days out of my life when I was 26 years old. And sometimes I look back over my life like I'm standing, I was looking at my I was looking at pictures of Jordan's vow ceremony, Jordan and Malika's vow ceremony, and I was looking at the gray hair in my beard. And sometimes it makes me feel, because I've been running this race so, like, it feels like for so long, it makes me feel older than I actually am. Because I've been doing it for a while now. But when I started to think about it this morning, at 26 years old, I had only been saved two years. I was 24 years old when I got saved. So I had only, tell me what you were doing when you was 24. At 24 years old, I was trying to share the gospel with every high school student that I came in contact with, with every person on my job. I was going to church faithfully, driving to America's every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, within a year of getting saved, I was teaching Bible study. Within two years of getting saved, I had started preaching and have not turned around. And I think some of us think that church is for when you get old, then you get serious about the walk. At 24 years old, I was married and a father of two, soon to be three. I want to read to y'all. That's why I say I don't have my paper, but I know it was the blood. I need y'all to understand that it's the blood. The blood is going to be the only thing that can save you. The blood is going to be the only thing that can save your children. The blood is going to be the only thing that matters when you stand before God in the end. And you can't wait till you get old to start trying to live it. You can't wait. You can't wait to be dedicated. You can't wait to be serious. You can't wait to be consistent. You can't wait. Enough time has passed already 
How many people in here desire? It's one person that's not here today, but I can hear his voice right now. He desires so badly to hear God speak to him. He desires so badly to hear God speak to him. And he wants me to kind of like tell him, well, Pastor, how does this work? How does that work? How does this and how is that? And I'm trying to tell him, but for whatever reason, it's like he's not picking up what I'm putting down. But as I began to read what I was doing at 26 years old, this book is filled of conversations that I was having with the Lord at 26 years old. I was talking to him every day. He was on my mind every day. Some of y'all need to realize that you can't get to where you want to go with God if you don't spend every day with him. You can't pick him up here and there. You got to spend every day with him. Not when the money get tight. Not when you're going through something in your relationship. Not when somebody in your family is in the hospital. Then you want to pick up God. No, you got to pick him up every day. He has to be with you every day. You have to be in your word every day. You have to worship every day. I know it was the blood. I know it was. I know it was. He changed my life at 24. He changed my life. at. He made me into a man that I never saw myself being. I didn't know I was going to be married with three kids at 26. He changed my life and changed me into a man overnight. I was still a boy. He changed me into a man overnight. The things I used to do, I couldn't do no more. The things that used to matter didn't matter anymore. As I began to read my journal this morning in preparation when the Lord told me, and I'm saying I was, I'm saying I was 26, but I hadn't even turned yet. I was getting ready to turn 26 that year. And I began to read how I talked to the Lord, how I was talking to the Lord. And I want you, and, and the reason that I'm reading to you this, because you have to talk to the Lord however it is that you talk to him. But in order to hear his voice back, you got to be in the word. If you want him to respond to what you're saying, you have to be in the word. And as I begin to read, y'all, and, and, and I'm like, I'm, Holy Spirit just work because I don't know how I'm going to read and I don't know how this is going to come out. This is not no typical sermon. But as I began to read, it got, as I was reading this, I just started to say, thank you, Lord. Because I realized what I was doing. I was pouring my heart out to God. And then after I poured my heart out to God, I wasn't just writing down what I thought. This is how I know it was the blood. This is how I know it was his voice. I was writing down scripture. I would talk to God and then I would copy the Bible. I would copy the words from this paper Bible into my journal. I was copying the Bible. I was copying the word. His word was speaking to me. And from his word, that gave me the answer that I needed. We want to talk to God and then that's when we get confused because we can't tell his voice from our voice. Before you can hear the audible voice of God, you have to know his word. If you're trying to take a shortcut, it won't work. You're going to be confused. You're not going to get answers about the next thing. And then the second thing that I realized at 26 years old, one of the ways that I know it was the blood is because of how I was praying. 
In 26, during this time, we were going through, basically, we couldn't pay our bills. We got married in 2004. This is this. This, this this first entry is July 6th. We have been married for two years and one month. For two years and, a, and a, almost another month. And after two years of marriage, we realized that we couldn't, when God started talking to him, we realized I couldn't pay our, we couldn't pay our bills. The rent was out. I, I was a long-term sub. Meaning if I didn't go to work, it, so doing a Christmas holiday, doing spring break, doing all those things, I wouldn't get paid. My children don't even realize it. Our oldest boys don't even realize what we were going through. I wouldn't get paid if I didn't go to work. It might not seem like a lot for rent now, but $775 was a lot for rent in 2004. That was not the light bill. That was not the gas. And then we, we made too much money to get food stamps. So in 2006, we had moved back in with my parents. And so all of these thoughts were swirling in my head about, Lord, what, you know, because y'all got to understand, I'm telling you this because I was a new Christian. And I'm telling my, the same thoughts you be having like, well, Lord, if I'm, if I'm living for you and I'm, and I'm going to church every Sunday and I'm being faithful, if I'm doing all of these things, why are all these things happening in my life? Is this how it's supposed to be? So all of these things are going in my head. And as I'm, as I'm reading my journey, did y'all, did y'all know that I'm not praying for God, give me more money? I'm not praying for God, God, help me do this and help me do that. Or God, I need you to take this debt away. Or God, I'm not doing that. I'm saying, Lord, I need you to make me better. I need you to draw me closer to you. I need you to make me strong. God, I want to walk in my calling. God, I want to live for you. God, forgive me for my doubt. God, forgive me for when I don't trust you. Stop praying about all the stuff you're worried about. When you going to pray to be who God called you to be? When you going to pray to walk in your calling? I said, oh, my soul, the devil is upon me. I'm talking about the devil. That's the first line in the term. I say, oh, my soul. See, y'all got to talk to God about your situation for real. My God, I'm in trouble. God, I need you. I say, God, oh, like, oh, my soul, the devil is upon me. Yet it is you who calls me for. In spite of everything that's happened, I hear you calling me. This two years into being saved. Some of y'all seven, eight years into being saved and still ain't walking. I say, but yeah, it's you that calls me forth. I say, awaken me this thing, stirring me your gifts. God, stir up a gift. You got to want power to walk in power. You got to ask him for what you want. Y'all be asking for jobs and husbands and this and success. Ask for the Holy Ghost. Stir the gift to God that sent me. Return me, right? Return to me the stuff that was lost. The world will strip everything from you. See, God got to tear you down to build you back up. He got to tear you down to build you back up. You're not going to just walk into the blessing. You're not going to just walk into the blessing because you got Jesus now. 
He got to tear you down to build you back up. All the stuff that I knew in the world had to go away. Then God said, okay, I got rid of that. Now let me show you how to live for me. And I didn't walk straight into a blessing. I had to walk into that financial difficulty. I had to learn how to be a husband. I had to learn how to be a father. I had to learn how to, how to pay my tithes and offers. I had to learn how to trust them. I know it was the blood. And then God began to talk to me. He said, son, you will be justified by faith. You know I called you. Trust me even more. He said, trust in the vision of my being, not the things that you see. Y'all better start learning to trust in who God is and not what you see. But if you don't know your word, you won't know how to do that. You got to trust in who he is, not what you see. He said, have peace with me, dear son, through the blood. Through the blood. He said, have peace with me through the blood. The blood, the fact that he died for you while you were yet in your sin should give you peace. If that don't give you peace, you'll never have peace. The world can't give you peace. A man can't give you peace. Money can't give you peace. Only the blood. I know it was the blood. That's why my children didn't know. That's why my, my godson, my godchildren didn't know that we were going through bankruptcy. That's why some of y'all don't even know right now what I go through. Because it's the blood. It's the blood. Lord, I thank you. He says, rejoice in the hope of my being. Glorify me during this time. Right? Glorify me during this time. He's saying, I send you out like a man of old. And now we sit here in 2024, and y'all need to understand why this church don't look like so many other churches. Because the word has to be preached. I can't, I can't preach a sugar-coated gospel because a sugar-coated gospel didn't get me here. A sugar-coated gospel would have let me down years ago when I would have walked away from God. It was somebody preaching about hell. It was somebody preaching about sin. It was somebody preaching about holiness that still has me standing here, that has allowed me to go through everything that I went through. Watching my wife lose her father, losing my grandmother, watching my parents get a divorce after 40-some years of marriage. Going through all the struggles with my children, it was because somebody was preaching holiness. Somebody was preaching that God was good and that Jesus is the answer. I know it was the blood. Lord, I thank you. He said it's your work your patience. He told me, he said, all this is happening to you. He said it's going to work your patience. Through this, you shall gain experience as families shall be split apart. Step in and me and tell me if I have not been here to do that for somebody in here. That when you lost your whatever, he was getting me ready then. I can't be ready for y'all now if he wasn't getting me ready then at 24 years old. He said, I'm going to get you ready. I know it was the blood. He said, you're going to step in and man. He says, and in the work you will find hope. Be not ashamed of the hope of this vision because it is not you that have ordained it or manifested it to be. But it is the love given to you by the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't be able to love y'all like I do if it wasn't for the blood. Lord, I thank you 
that which that which is in you, right? He says the Holy Ghost that gives you that which is in you. He say for every time when you are with thy strength, think that Christ stepped in and did that that you might be right here. That while you were yet in sin, he saw fit to give you his life. You are justified and saved from wrath through his blood. Worry not. Receive that which Christ's blood has paid for. He paid for everything. Now you might think, man, God talking to you like that. I want y'all to understand that I just read y'all Romans 5. I just read you Romans 5. If the word don't come alive to you like that, you thought I was reading what he audibly spoke about. I read to you Romans 5. I read Romans 5 and I heard the voice of God telling me these things. Have faith, have hope in the price that Jesus death paid for you. And you know what I told the Lord? I said, Lord, it's good to be talking to you. Lord, it's good to be talking to you, to be feeling your presence in the pen. You know the desires of my heart. Clean me up and use me. Fix that which is inconsistent in me and lead me on. Y'all like to talk to God about nonsense. Talk to him about holiness. Talk to him about making you right. Talk to him about making you faithful. Ask him for strength. Ask him for boldness. Ask him for patience. Ask him for his spirit. Ask him for all the fruits of the spirit. Lord, I, I need you to help me forgive. I need you to show me how to love. I need you to help me get out of my feelings. I know that that was wrong. Two days later, it don't stop. I come back. I say, Lord, help me to learn how to live. Anybody here ever ask God for that? Lord, help me to learn how to live. Order my steps. Order my steps. And help me heed your call. Forever use me. And never forsake me. When y'all be saying, I, I want power, I want to do this and I want to do that. This is how you got to talk to God. This is how you got to talk to him. And I wrote that to God, and, and let me tell you what God told me. He took me to Acts 8. If you know anything about Acts 8, that's Philip. That's Philip. It says that Philip went down the hill to Samaria and preached Christ. And the people with one accord gave heed to these things which Philip spake. And after hearing and seeing the miracles which Philip performed, unclean spirits crying out with loud voices, things basically things started to happen. Right? And then that, that was joy in the city. I asked God to teach me how to live. You know what he told me? He said, preach the gospel. He said, if you preach the gospel, people going to be set free. People going to be delivered. There will be joy in the city. Sometimes we don't want to hear that. When we be saying, God, teach me how to live, we be looking for the next step on our job. We be looking for the next step in our relationship. We be looking for the next whatever, whatever, the next trip we going to take or the next house we going to get. Tell, like, God, tell me what decision you want me to make that's going to get me what I want. But when really what we say, when we say, God, teach me how to live, it's how to be holy. His response to me was preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And then right after that, he says, sacrifice at one altar. 
He say, sacrifice them at one altar. Lord, I thank you. It says, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there. Even unto his habitation shall you seek, and thither thou shall come. And thither you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and your offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the first things of your herds and your flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all that you put your hand unto, ye in your household. Wherein the Lord thy God have blessed thee. That's Deuteronomy 12. I asked the Lord to teach me how to live. He said, sacrifice at one altar. And then I need you to bring all your burnt offerings, all your free will offerings, all your peace offerings, all, all the fruit, all your first fruit, everything that you get, I need you to bring it to me. And then he says, when you do that at that place, that's where you will find me. Right? That's where you rejoice. Right? That's where you will rejoice. That's where your household will be blessed. That's where God shall bless thee. God said, cling to the calling of your tribe. I associate, guess what, with the tribe of what? Levi. Because I'm a priest. He says, cling. It's him telling me in 2006. He says, son, cling to who you are. Cling to your calling. Preach the gospel. Bring everything that you have to me, your worship to me. Any job you have, bring it to me. Your children, bring them to me. And when you do that, that's where you'll find joy. That's where you'll find happiness. That's where you'll find peace. He said, cling to the colleague of your tribe where I have placed my name. Go to that place and seek me where I live. And there you will give your offerings, your all, your love. There you will eat, bring others, and be blessed. That's July 8th. Lord, I thank you. Pastor, why are you reading this? I want y'all to understand God will speak to you through his word. And then you won't have to try to figure out whether it's him talking or you talking. But you got to understand, when I read Deuteronomy 12 to you, God required something of me. You can't talk to God, want him to respond and think that when he responds, he's going to tell you to do what you want to do all the time. Sometimes he's going to tell you to do something that costs you. I just told y'all in 2006, I could not afford to pay the bills to the point that I had to move my wife and my children back in the house with my mother and father. So then you telling me that I can't even pay my bills. I'm a grown man. I got to move back with my parents. And one of the first things, God, that you say to me is pay my tithes and offerings. I add, when you ask God for something, be prepared for his response. But what we do is we ask for God for something. He tells us what to do. And then we say, no, nah, that ain't it or that's too hard. And then we go the other way. Then we had a nerd to act like he ain't real. I'm almost done. My last page, I'm going to give y'all July 9th, the next day. The next day. 
I say, Lord, give me the gift. Give me the gift to see and know. The gift of vision. Lord God, forever humble me and renew me. Keep me submissive to your will. Give me faith in your servants and help me identify them like never before. I hate that they are not real, but if you show me, I will believe. And then I wrote Jude 1, verses 3 through 15 in Zechariah 5. And he said, son, when I come, I will judge. Worry not yourself. I know your love for me and the purity of my name. Focus on the word and not the person. Does the word add up to what you know of me? So I need, I, I need my minister to understand that when I tell her to look for truth, I'm not telling you something that I have not lived. I'm telling you what got me through. It was the blood. And when I could not tell left from right, or when I could not tell right from wrong, I had to rely on the word. And when I started to question like God, well, now, now what's, what, 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 what's going on? I see all of this fakeness and I, right, I see all, it's like Psalm 37, I see all of this fakeness and I see all of these people prospering or looking like they prospering and I'm over here trying to live this thing out and walk this thing out for God and stuff not going right in my life. God had to sit me down and talk to me and he said, say, son, don't worry about it. When I come, I'm going to straighten it all out. He said, worry not yourself, right? Worry not yourself. He said, I know that you love me. Focus on my word and not the person. Does the word add up to what you know of me? Vision carries the weight of sin. If you want God to show you what you, what, what you need to do, you need to be prepared for what he show you. When he starts showing you people dying around you, when he starts showing you that your children going to be stripped of everything and exposed, when he starts showing you the evilness and people hard who you thought loved you, You, you got to be prepared for that. And it's nothing but the blood. So when I'm prophesying to you, Sister Kiera, when I'm prophesying to you, and I'm telling you that it's going to be hard, I'm not talking about no play-play hard. It's going to be hard. Because when God starts showing you, this is who you are, this is who I call you to be, the people around you not going to be able to see it. They're not going to understand it. They're going to think you switched up on them. They're going to think you switched up on them. Then what you're going to do, you're going to choose them or you're going to choose who God called you to be. And it, it, it ain't going to be your associates that walk away. It's going to be your family. It's going to be the ones you thought that would never leave you or never forsake you. But you got to trust God. You can't even, and then the thing about it is, when they start to hurt you, God won't even allow you to be mad at them. He's going to say, no, can't be mad at him. I need you to forgive him. I need you to still love on him. I need you to still pray for him. I need you to still try to walk with him. He ain't going to even, you, he, you can't say, they turn, you, they turn their back on me. I'm going to turn my back on them. He won't let you do it. He won't let you do it. But that's the thing. The vision, vision comes with the weight of sin. To see vision, you will suffer. You will see sin like never before. Lord, I thank you. 
God said wickedness is cast upon the earth. He says, shall you, will you see? When you start to get close to God, you're going to see stuff that ain't right like never before. It's going to bother you. It's going to bother you to the point that you have to change. Either you're going to accept it or you're going to change. But darkness and light can't be in the same place, y'all. If you want God to move in your life, when he starts to show you stuff, you got to respond. You got to respond with yes and amen. You can't be all wavery. James tells us, we've been studying James. James tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Unstableness just ain't going to show up in one place. It ain't going to just show up on your job. It's going to show up in your house, in your relationships, in your finances, in your decision-making. Anything you touch is going to be wavery. It's going to be good one moment and bad the next moment. It's going to be like I got money one moment and next money, everything tearing up. Or oh, here come the IRS or somebody done stole something from me. You'll never be able to keep anything. And when you unstable like that, when you lose things based on your circumstance and your situation, your faith go up and down with But when you have Jesus and things begin to happen to you, when you know it was the blood, regardless of the circumstances and situations, good times and bad times, on the mountain or in the valley, you still have peace. You still have peace because that's something that the world can't give to you. And it's something that the world should not be able to take away. When we sing that song, you can only sing that song for real if you're a Christian, if you mean it, if you really say it. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world can't take it away. You can't take it because I know it was the blood. He's been too good to me. He's been too good to me. Some kind of way, y'all, I don't know. Some kind of way, because I don't be on social media. Somebody on my job came and said, you know somebody that screenshotted the top 100 salaries in Dorothy County School System and put them online? And I'm number 75. So everybody, and I knew that it was public information, but the fact that somebody was screenshotting and put it all on the on the thing but that's my thing I don't even think about the money like that I don't think about the money like that and the reason I don't think about the money like that is because of 2006 when I didn't have and, and, and whenever my son car broke up and I was going through bankruptcy but I, I took my school money and gave him I don't know how I can't even remember how much I gave him but when I was broken and, and sending money to jails and doing all of these things because I saw what happened when I didn't give and it wasn't working. I saw what happened when I was nickel and diamond. God trying to pay my bills and guess what? I still couldn't pay them. So I said, let me do something different. Let me, let me trust God. And now I'm 40 some years old without a mortgage. My house paid for it. 3,700 square feet. Lord, I thank you. I ain't no prosperity preacher. I'm a holiness preacher. 
God is telling me all these things. He says, will you? And, I, and I'm coming in, JJ. I'm almost to the end of this page. God say, you know, the, the vision, vision carries the weight of sin. He asked me the question, shall you and will you see? My response to him, because I used to write, see, I would write what I was saying in black, and I would write the words of Jesus in red. He said, shall you and will you see? I said, show me. Understand what I'm saying. God tells you that if I show you this, it's going to be painful. How many of y'all run from your pastor? So you run from the men and women of God because you don't want to know what God going to say. You don't want to be close to him then. You don't want to walk in holiness. You don't. You want the blessings of God, but you don't want to get closer to God because that's why you run from him. When God says, okay, okay, you want to know what's going to happen. This going to hurt now. I told my wife the other day, see, y'all don't understand. See, sometimes y'all just see the, steep, the, the tears. But one of the last times that Mama Rita came to the altar and I was praying for her and the tears started running, I saw her seeing her dying. It's been over two years, but I seen it. I was watching it. And the thing that was like, the, the, I know we all got to go, but the thing that was getting me while I was praying and I was seeing her dying was I was already trying to figure out how I was going to comfort my wife when that thing happened. And like I say, that's been over two years ago. But I thank God for the vision because he was getting ready for, he was getting me ready to do something that's going to be difficult. But if I say, no, God, don't show me that, then I would not be prepared. When these three sisters came to the altar and God said, you're going to be all right, I was seeing your daddy dying. But I could not tell y'all that right now because that would have messed y'all up. I just had to say, it's going to be all right. And then when it happened, God brought it back to my memory and I said, remember when God said? Y'all better stop playing with Jesus. I said, show me. He said, this is Matthew 20. He said, my son had a vision of death. And yet he carried the weight of sin. Do y'all realize that Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross and he went through it anyway? That's how you got to be. You got to be like, God, I know I'm about to go through it. I know this thing that you're asking me to do is going to require me to do something that I don't necessarily want to do. That's why Jesus said, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will. You got to be so steadfast in Jesus that God show you what's going to happen and you say, I'm going to go through with it anyway. He says, if you know you will die, he's talking to me now, if you know you shall die, shall you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Will you still drink my cup? My response is, Lord, I'm scared. But I have no other choice but to trust you. I know I will die because of others. But let your will be done. Strengthen me and take me through. My heart is fixed on your ways. The Lord's response to me was look to my baptism. 
John suffered me. Just as you know me and you see my pain, but suffer that I may fulfill righteousness in you. What does it mean? What do you mean? John suffered me and God is telling me to, Jesus is telling me to suffer him. Jesus is like, gee, what, what God is saying to me then, he's like, son, I know this is going to be hard, but just go through it. Just trust me in the process. Let me do what I got to do. Go, just go through it. Just go through it. Because it's going to fulfill righteousness in you. Then he says, go deeper. Go deeper into my blood. There's power. Power. Wonder working power. In the blood. He says, go deeper into my blood. Into my pain. And though it hurts you, it will purge you. God got to replace what's in you with him. Y'all understand what I'm saying? He got to replace all that messed up you with him. You got some blood running through your veins that has a history of lying, a history of lust, a history of abuse. You got a history of stuff running through your veins that needs to be replaced. And that's why Jesus is saying, go deeper into me. He says, this is in this baptism that the heaven shall open and the vision you seek shall be made known. Hallelujah. I don't read out my journal all the time because folks think you crazy when you're trying to explain God talking to you. But I, I, the reason that I believe that God took me there, well, number one, he took me there because he was reminding me of where he bought me from. And sometimes I be feeling older than I am. But I'm like, I'm so thankful that God started when he started with me. Like I didn't get, I didn't get, uh, I didn't get my 20s to just screw up. I proposed to Pastor T at 23 years old. I didn't get my 20s to screw up. I, God gave me a ready-made family. And I've got to tell y'all, it was for you. The love y'all felt in that classroom was Jesus. It was for y'all. And I know when I say stuff like this, my wife, my children, don't like y'all don't like to hear it, but like I'm okay with dying because of this. When I look back over my life, I see that I've run the race. I see that I've run the race and that he's been with me every step of the way. So it's no, it's no going back. It's no going back. Run your race. You got to know that it was the blood. You got to know who, who, who saved you. And you got to live for him. Amen.